When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Well, welcome into the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thanks for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe and hit the bell notification so we get notified whenever we have new content available to you. You can also stay up to date with the show when you're on the go. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. By the way, for you guys out there who are saying, well, guess what? The season's coming to an end. Are you going to be doing off-season stuff? Yes and no. It will not be, and I've been trying to put this out there so everybody knows, it will not be the MD's Fantasy Football Show anymore. I'm partnering up with three other guys. You've seen them on the Operation Domination episode on Wednesday nights. We're going to be creating something new. Very excited for that. For you out there who have subscribed to our YouTube channel or follow us on social media, don't worry. Don't go anywhere. You're going to be grandfathered into the new brand. We're not going to go anywhere as far as those platforms. We will have different names and different handles and, and things of that nature when it is time to finally launch out there. So keep following us. Keep subscribing. You'll be right with us when we go ahead and make that change. We got Danielle Dubois in the building. Danielle, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. I am so excited for the show tonight. Yeah, so it's a big one. Injuries, week 16, semifinal rounds. If you guys got questions, ask them throughout the show. We are going to have Chaz Flaherty back on the second half of the show, finally, to talk about some bets of the weekend. He's back from his trip. So let's get after it with our first segment or Right off oh. the bat. Oh. 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 oh, Nelly. All right, so we got some quarterbacks we got to discuss here. Danielle, who's first up on our list? We have Will Levis and a sprained ankle. Yeah, so they said this is a high ankle sprain. I, I don't think Will Levis is going to follow the Trevor Lawrence suit where he's going to find a way to play on one leg. Uh, Tennessee's not really fighting for much as of this moment. That d- does mean I think we're going to see Ryan Tannehill this week. And Mike Vrabel did already come out and say that it would be Ryan Tannehill, not Malik Willis, if in fact Will Levis cannot go. So now, Danielle, I ask you this. What does that do for your DeAndre Hopkins, Derrick Henry value being that this offense was so putrid earlier in the year with Tannehill at the helm and you're going in the week 16 are you still going to play these guys but maybe just have lower expectations or are you going to try to avoid them altogether? Uh, I think it kind of depends on where I'm standing with other talent on my team 
because the beginning of this year for the Titans was extremely awful to say the least. I haven't seen that offense be so powerless and Derrick Henry just was non-existent in that offense in the beginning of the year. And it was painful to watch as a fantasy perspective, but also just knowing the league and how we've seen him play before. It was just a very devastating time for the Titans, not to use that word, but um, if you can't have Derrick Henry out there, who's going to be your saving grace. So I um, am throwing caution to the wind with these situations, but if you have them on your team, I can't imagine benching them. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. I do have Hopkins slipping into my higher end wide receiver three, which means you're probably still going to have him in your lineup at the very least as a flex play. If you don't already play in three receiver leagues anyway, uh, Derek Henry still coming in as an RB12 for me. This could be his last home game in Tennessee. I think they might feed him before they start feeding Tajay Spears for the rest of the year after that, which I think it could be coming, quite frankly. Um, oh, boy. Who, who's our next quarterback here? Zach Wilson in concussion protocol. <sighs> yeah, so he, here's the thing about Zach Wilson. I never thought I'd be this heartbroken that Zach Wilson wasn't going to play. Um, <laughs> being that we, and he's probably not, by the way. That's the reports. He hasn't been able to practice yesterday. Didn't practice today. That does not bode well when you're trying to come back from a concussion. But being that we've seen Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon to some degree already and how bad this offense is. Look, you only care about Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. And I don't know if these guys are must-starts in your lineup if Zach Wilson is out there. I have Garrett Wilson as a wide receiver three, a mid-level wide receiver three, so it's a little bit more questionable if he's even going to break into your lineup. I think I trust Wilson a little bit more than I trust Brees Hall, even though this is a great matchup on paper against the Commanders, because Hall hasn't been able to run against anybody because that offensive line has been so putrid. You're hoping Simeon dumps it down to him in the backfield enough, but it's been bad. It's been really bad. Are you going to play either one of these guys this week against Washington? Ooh, I don't know. It, like you said, it, it has been bad. And this Jets offense is just so, I don't even know. It's just so questionable to watch. And I don't know what offense is going to show up because we've seen them before succeed and have success because they do have some talented men on their roster. So it is kind of a toss up, but um, I, I don't really think I'm going to be trusting either one of them for this high stakes. It's semifinals time. I don't really know if I'd want to take a chance on them, especially if I have some other talent on my team that I feel like at least might be a consistent show up throughout the year that I can trust a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, obviously this is going to get dependent your league size options that you have available to and all that. But if you have other options, if it's close between another player, I'd honestly think I would pivot to the other player. Uh, you know, keep in mind here too. And I brought this up yesterday during the show. I think the jets are going to get Israel Bonaconda involved. Now last week he got involved in the fourth quarter after it was already a blowout, but he's definitely ahead of Dalvin cook as far as the depth chart is concerned. And they've already talked about making it a youth movement. Well, you don't really, even though Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson are young. Yes. And they're still going to play and be the lead guys. 100. I'm not saying they won't be, but they're also guys that you don't need to know if they're established players or not for your future next year. That's where I get a little bit curious with some of the rotation that we may see starting this week against the Washington Commanders. All right. Having us said all that, who's our last quarterback to talk about? Trevor Lawrence, another concussion. It's another guy who's not going to play. Now, Trevor Lawrence has miraculously come back from injuries time and time and time again, but this is where the 
concussion issue just winds up being a different animal. And he has not been able to practice yesterday and today. There were reports saying that the Jaguars are planning to probably not have Trevor Lawrence this week. So we probably are going to see C.J. Bethard. We also, and I know this is on our wide receiver list, but I'm going to throw this in here because it's relevant. I don't think we're going to see Zay Jones, who's been out with a hamstring injury too. So now we have target share getting consolidated around Calvin Ridley, Evan Ingram, maybe Travis Etienne to some degree in that mix, C.J. Bethard being a dumped-down quarterback as it is. This guy who affects the most, and I haven't updated my rankings yet, but I will soon, is Calvin Ridley. I think he's going to fall out from being a low-end wide receiver two to a more of a higher-end mid-level wide receiver three in that range. The target share might still be there, but we know Bethard doesn't go outside the numbers very often, doesn't hit the guy down the field very often. Here's what I will say. When he came in for Trevor Lawrence in an overtime game against the Cincinnati Bengals, and he went nine for 10, he had four targets right off the rip out of those 10 pass or five targets, excuse me, off the rip out of those 10 passes to Evan Ingram. Four of them got completed. I think Evan Ingram is actually still safe to play here with CJ Bethard. I think Travis Etienne is still safe here to play with CJ Bethard. How are you seeing this? I would agree. And I personally, I'm a big fan of Etienne. I really like him, and I think he is safe to play this week. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I would really stick towards the running backs on this situation, kind of like you said, um, with um, Ridley going down to a wide receiver three. I feel like that's a very safe call for him um, for this week and a very safe placement for him. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Let's go to our running back. It's bad. It's so bad. It's blood everywhere. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss are both on the list. Danielle, I have good news for you. I think Jonathan Ooh. Taylor's going to play. He's going to play. I think Jonathan Taylor's going to play. Full participate in practice this week. Here's the thing. This is I, I, I'm going to say where I have him ranked at. Is he an RB1 off the rip? It's a long time to think about that. <laughs> are you hearing me or am I hearing you? Oh, Danielle's gone. That's why that was such a long time to think about that. All right. Well, uh, to keep you guys not in suspense a little bit. Uh, yes, I do have Jonathan Taylor ranked as an RB one. Now it's not because necessarily I think Jonathan Taylor comes in and just completely dominates. Although you absolutely could, we wouldn't be shocked by that, especially given the matchup here for the Colts this week. It's the fact that I don't think we're going to see Zach Moss dealing with the forearm issue, a re-aggravation of the forearm issue, and he has not practiced over the last couple of days on top of it. So I do not think that's going to be a factor as far as the rotation is concerned, and therefore Taylor will be a top 10 guy in my book. Okay, now the suspense for Danielle is over. I just gave away my answer while we we're trying to get you back in here. Where would you have Taylor at? Oof, see, this is such a hard question because – We've seen all sides of him, especially this year with the entire, oh my God, I don't even know how to specify the situation that's going down this year. I feel, obviously, I would say that he is an RB1 based off of past years, but for this current situation, for this current week, I would say he's an RB2. Okay. Either way, he is in your lineup, but managing expectations is something we're all about here. Who's our next running back? Kenneth Walker and a shoulder injury. 
Yeah, so this is kind of a weird one uh, because it's a new injury. Because remember, Kenneth Walker had the oblique issue. That was what kept him out before. He ran really well on Monday night, played really well, didn't really realize he had gotten hurt in the game because we had no idea about this until he shows up on the injury report. Didn't practice Wednesday, didn't practice today. So yesterday was something that because of the new injury when a monitor today, it becomes concerning because now it's two days in a row that he did not practice. Yesterday, I wasn't as concerned because we had reporting going on from some of the beat writers that they don't think it's really anything serious and that they're not really reading too much into it. We know when it comes to Seattle, it's very hard to get details as far well, clear and actual truthful details, I should say, as far as what is actually going on with their injured players. So we're going to have to wait, I think, tomorrow to really get any clarity as far as Kenneth Walker actually being able to play. If you have Zach Charbonnet, hold down the fort. If he's available in your waiver wires because it's playoff time and people dropped him because he was a handcuff, no, go ahead and pick him up. There's a chance he might become very, very valuable as, a, as it stands today. Uh, if Kenneth Walker plays, I think without, I think it goes without question, obviously, you're playing him, especially after what he did against the Eagles and he's playing against Tennessee this week. What would your confidence level be, Danielle, if Kenneth Walker's out for Zach Charbonnet? Is, is this this guy's yellow in RB2? Is he in RB3? Is he high in RB2? Maybe even RB1? Where you got him at if the Kenneth Walker's out of the mix? I personally have him around RB2. I have him on my team that actually that's going into the semifinals right now. And I have always, I've kind of moved him up and down okay, throughout the year, depending on their matchups and depending on what my other running backs matchups were as well, but I personally, I love them. And if Kenneth Walker isn't playing him, I am moving him up in my lineup for sure. So that personally put him in your lineup. <laughs> yeah. We, I mean, we got to see some glimpses of this. Unfortunately for Charbonnet, when he got his opportunity, they were playing against two of the toughest run defenses in all the NFL. And we started to see him get going a little bit until he got a little bit nicked up himself. But what we saw was a bell cow guy in his usage. He was getting past targets. He was getting the carries. And I think he was starting to finally see his rhythm. So as long as Charbonnet doesn't pick up an injury in the meantime, he could be a really invaluable start if Walker does not go this week. Uh, who's our next guy on this list? Alexander Madison with an ankle injury. Yes, yeah, so this is another guy. I don't think he's going to play. He didn't practice the last two days. Uh, I know there was some talk about him possibly being able to go, but even if he did, Kevin O'Connell kind of came out and said, you know what? After that performance last week, Madison's been bad all year. Sounds like Ty Chandler is going to be the starting running back regardless. Now, if Alexander Madison's out, that obviously affects his overall ceiling workload for Ty Chandler. So here's the thing. What were your expectations be for Ty Chandler? Because he is going up against Detroit, who's been very rough against running backs, especially rushing the football so far this season. So if, if Alexander Madison's out, I think Chandler has to be in your lineup. But what were your expectations for him be overall? I would agree he does have to be in your lineup, but I wouldn't have the highest expectations for him. I feel like you can trust in him to get a solid amount of points for you a solid pickup and I feel like you can expect him not to let you down and to actually to fill that running back role that you need um pretty consistently I feel like it's going to be a solid a solid idea for you to start him but I just want to expect you know the highest amount of points but it's going to be the amount of points where you can feel confident going in to the week and knowing that you're not going to lose because of Ty Chandler most likely <laughs> Yeah, I would say, I know, even though it's a tough matchup, when you're running back in line for that kind of volume, I think more times than not, you're going to have to roll uh, the dice. Uh, wh what do we got next? Brian Robinson and his hamstring. 
Yeah, no one's seen this guy. No one's seen this guy. It's been a couple of weeks now. So I, I definitely don't think he's going to play. Now, here's here's the problem, Danielle. Uh, last week, we we get this, and we're like, okay, so some people will pick up Antonio Gibson. I had him ranked inside my top 30. Luckily, I'm, th- I'm thankful I did not put him in my top, top 24 or anything like that. And I did have Chris Rodriguez kind of sneaking around the top 40-ish area. Uh, and, and then they had this guy who is a concussion protocol right now, but Jonathan Williams come in and get 22% of the snaps and kind of turn this thing into a three-man committee out of nowhere. Now, I don't know if Jonathan Williams is going to play. He may not because of his concussion issue, and maybe that finally gives some consolidation around Antonio Gibson or Chris Rodriguez. Of course, unless Eric Bieniemy brings in some other schmuck that we have no idea is going to be involved on top of it too. My point is this. Even if Brian Robinson's out, which it looks like it's going to be, I still have Gibson and Chris Rodriguez well outside my flex territory. I don't know. Do you have more confidence than I do? I really don't. It's not the time to roll the dice on which running back we want to see succeed for the commanders. I feel like we've talked about this kind of year after year, the past few years of, oh, who do we want? Gibson or Robinson? And obviously with Robinson's injury, this changes the whole entire thing. But they don't seem to have their number one guy, especially right now. And they love to kind of switch it up on us, which is fine. Whatever works for them is great, but it's not great for fantasy. So I'm kind of staying away from that. Yeah, I tend to agree with you there. AJ Dillon, this is a, a very cloudy situation. Uh, I don't know if he's going to play. I still have a hard time believing with a thumb issue and as running back and you can grip the football. That's at all questionable how that really works. I don't think you could play the position with a cast, even if you don't catch the ball, like AJ Dillon doesn't catch the ball. Uh, but they are playing against Carolina. So I, I, it's enough for me to have AJ Dillon on my radar if he's good enough to go. My question to you more is this. Aaron Jones, we saw him come back, played on a little bit of a part-time schedule last week. Patrick Taylor didn't get in the box score too much, but snap-wise, only was only three snaps behind Aaron Jones. Does that change, and is Aaron Jones a lock him in your lineup against a really good match against Carolina, or do you still have some concern about his overall ceiling and workload usage? I do have some concern about his overall usage and his ceiling. However, this matchup on paper is so good and I know the talent that he has and I can understand like fully with the workforce given I believe that he could pick up a solid amount of points for me so I he's on my radar right now and I don't necessarily know I do actually have him in one of my teams right now um so it's kind of that like middle ground where I'm like oh do I start all over other people or not and so I'm kind of on that heater tottering line right now but um I'm definitely uh, looking to start him if possible. Okay. I like that. Uh, Ramon, uh, who's our next guy? Sorry. Ramondre Stevenson with an ankle injury. Yeah, it's Zeke time. Uh, it's Zeke time. Uh, I, I didn't have high hopes that Ramondre Stevenson was actually going to come back for week 16 anyway. I think that was probably the best case scenario. I don't have high hopes that Ramondre Stevenson comes back anytime this season. It really wouldn't make sense to do so. We know he's going to have a role next year, uh, so I don't know what the purpose would be for rolling him out this year. Uh, so Ezekiel Elliott, fire him up. Great match against the Denver Broncos. All kinds of volume. I know it wasn't like, you know, awesome last week, but they're also playing Kansas City, and people need to realize when Nick Bolton's healthy for the Kansas City Chiefs, that's a defense that does not let running backs go off on them at all. So I, I'm going to forgive him for that and just go again, kind of like the uh, the situations we talked about like with Ty Chandler. Like You're going to in line for that much volume. You're probably going to be in our lineup. I'm just saying. What do you, what do you, what's that you, Patriots fan? What are you, are you looking forward to that one? 
honestly, if I have them, I'm going to start them, which I have been very hesitant about starting really any Patriots player except for Andre Stevenson this season. So um, I feel like that says a lot to our viewers there. Let me, because uh, I haven't been able to ask you this. Let me let me ask you this real quick. Where are you at as far as uh, Bill Belichick potentially moving on? My thoughts on him are as follows. I think, obviously, as a coach, great coach, we've seen him before, and I think he can continue being our coach. He just needs, we need a new general manager is really what it is. I think he can continue being the coach for another few seasons, and if it continues just fail and things go wrong let them go but we really need a new general manager to figure out some way to get some more talent on this team graphics that are good yeah that's my thought process I think him as a coach though is not the main issue you know I, I probably don't disagree with that I think there would need to be two stipulations to your point he would need to lose some power, which maybe he's not willing to do. I don't know, but he would need to lose some power and give up the GM spot. And I think the GM would also have to be the one that gets to pick the offensive coordinator because I'm tired of watching Bill Belichick hire his buddies who stink. So I think that's yeah. also now maybe he could hire Josh McDaniels. He was very successful, Josh McDaniels, and he's back out there on the open market. Maybe that would be a thing and you would be okay with that as long as they got a different general manager. I, I just my thing is I don't know if at this point and being that there are some situations out there, I think would give Belichick full power. I don't know if he'd be willing to lose his power, unfortunately. Oh, but I, I don't think, think he is at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's but I think that's a very good take and very good point by you. All right, who's our last guy? Josh Jacobs with his quad. Yeah, so this is kind of a weird one right now because he hasn't been practicing yet. But and this is a Monday game, so they do have the extra day of practice. Keep that in mind too. But we had some reporting say that they didn't expect Josh Jacobs to go. And then we had Antonio Pierce come out and say that if he was a betting man and being in Vegas, you know, the pun that uh, that he would bet on Josh Jacobs to go on Monday. Could it just be head of coach speak? I don't know. But when we're looking at this, let's say Josh Jacobs misses. Are you okay holding on to Zamir White, who now established himself as the main handcuff, right? Are you okay with holding on to Zamir White, or would you rather just play somebody who's playing before that Monday game to not kind of take the chance on playing a Zamir White, who may be the lead running back for the Raiders on Monday. Yeah, that's a really tough situation, especially if they don't tell us if Josh is ready to play until Monday night, because that really gives you no hope. Um, <laughs> it gives you little things to switch it up. Um, I, I'm not usually one to take chances, but for this situation, I would say hang on to Samir White and kind of chance it with the Josh Jacobs situation. Um, just because it is semifinals of the playoffs and Josh Jacobs is one of those guys that if he plays, you know, the impact that he's going to have on your team, that could be your winning guy. You don't, I mean, you never know, but that easily could be if he puts up a good amount. Um, so I personally would chance it. I know that might not be the best advice, but, um, also Zamir White, like I feel okay knowing that if Josh Jacobs isn't playing, that he's going to be the main guy and, he might not necessarily have that kind of outcome that Jacobs would because why would he, but he still would get a good amount of points. I feel like that would be solid for your team. So. No, I, I think that's a fair point. Um, here's my thing. This is what worries me if Jacobs is out and it's Zamir white. 
You're playing Kansas City, which I just laid out as a tough matchup, especially for runner running backs. I think there's a decent chance you're going to see more Amir Abdullah than we saw in that Thursday night game because that game script's not going to go the way it did against the Chargers. So that's the one thing that would bother me. But I also understand your point of if I have a shot, a legitimate shot, Josh Jacobs, I might want to have to take that. And here's what I would say to you guys. Again, this is a Monday game, so they're going to practice Friday and Saturday. Hopefully we'll know something by Saturday. I know we have games going on, but if he does get a practice in Friday, I would start to make other plans. I think that would be my best advice to you guys. Let's go to the next segment with the wide receivers, and we'll get Brian to jump uh, in here in a minute. Oh, you Brian, you have a very hey. confused face on look on your face. Oh. There, you okay? Getting getting some work done while I'm waiting to be brought to stage. Gonna, I would uh, give you my announcement, but we kind of have to get right into it, buddy. Yeah, Sorry. yeah no, no worries. Um, so Danielle, who's our first receiver to talk about? Jamar Chase AC joint sprain. Oh, uh, so first off, this caught me by total surprise. Wasn't even on my radar, and I'm pissed. Because I have him on two rosters, and in two of those rosters, the two I have him on, I'm in contention for a championship. And so now I scrambled last minute here to find a replacement. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's exactly right. Uh, Kind of surprised by it. Must have been pretty significant. Again, this is late in the season. So sometimes that'll dictate their moves. Sometimes it has nothing to do with the injury itself. It simply has to do with where they are as far as their chances at making the playoffs and whether or not these next few weeks will change their position in the standings. And so sometimes they'll just opt to give the guys rest who are their star players like Jamar Chase in hopes that they'll be 100% come the first round. So maybe that's the case. I don't know. Um, But many of players have played through these injuries. AC joint sprain is usually not a huge deal. Um, More so at the running back position than any other position probably because you have to lower your shoulder and you know, use it to get through the line. But um, lo and behold, he's out officially. Yeah, and uh, it might just not just be this week from what I'm hearing. Yeah, so I'm saying, like, it, this is what's going on. This, and this is happening a lot around the league with a few other players who we'll touch on. Um, they're just shutting them down. Um, and this, you know, this might have a direct, uh, be a direct result of the lengthened seasoned, uh, seasons, you know, uh, which we didn't see before. Because now, you know, if you know that your playoff spot is solidified, you don't want to risk these guys getting injured further. You'll be complacent with your place and you'll let these star players just rest and ride out the rest of the season. And, you know, if you're out of contention, just wait till next year, which is kind of absurd, but that's what a lot of these teams are doing. Yeah. Which leads to our next guy, which is who Danielle Keenan Allen and his heel injury. (laughs) Well, this is a prime example of that. I mean, uh, you know, with the chargers losing uh, Herbert for the year, uh, their season basically tanking. Um, they're sh- sounds like they're shutting them down for the rest of the year. So uh, I thought maybe he would be out one more week and then come back, but it sounds like he's done. Not sure exactly what's going on. I theorize that this is probably some, a raging case of what's called plantar fasciitis, which is a chronic thing, which can become acute. Um, still not something you would expect an NFL player to to basically be out for the season for at this juncture of the game. The only other thing it could possibly be is maybe his Achilles and maybe they're just playing it safe because they're concerned that he might rupture it if he plays through. I, I don't know. There's not much going on in your heel um, when it comes aside from those two major structures that I can predict or think is wrong. I mean, unless he's got something more sinister, like a stress fracture or something, but it came on uh, kind of like out of nowhere. 
And then it kind of just snowballed into this. So I'm not really sure. Um, another surprising uh, development. The who? The her. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's rough. I don't think it's the Achilles, Brian, because he would be doing so side field. Yeah, because that's the thing that he's been not practicing, but all last three days has been doing work off to the side with the trainer. So I, I don't think it's an Achilles thing. I don't think it's a plantar fasciitis thing. I don't think it's anything that's actually it's serious any any wide o- Oda because he wouldn't be doing anything and otherwise. Well, they're playing, but they're saying heel, so I don't know what else it could be. I mean, I, you can play through plantar fasciitis. It's just I one of those nagging he's a things. Bit but... banged up, and they're saying, you know what? Unless you're 100, percent you can go ahead and take a seat. That, that's that's what I think is going on yeah, here. Now, maybe. I also will put this out there because he's doing work off to the side field. You can flip this on the other side and say, I don't know if you're shutting it down for the entire year, and would you bother doing any work? So I don't know. Maybe there's some small yeah. line of hope for next week, but I'm not counting yeah. on it. Um, Danielle, what do you got for our next guy? Michael Pittman in a concussion. Yeah, he got rocked, by the way. Um, and man, that was a vicious hit. Surprisingly, he didn't lose consciousness from what I could tell in the field, but uh, he's still in concussion protocol. I don't, did he, guys, I apologize. I've had a crazy week at work. It's been the busiest time of year for us. I was in surgery all day until about eight o'clock. So I didn't get a chance to do a lot of my uh, prior prep. Um, Did he practice today? He practiced in full today. Okay. So as long as he clears that concussion protocol. Yeah, Pittman's back, baby. Pittman is back. Now, I, I'm, I'm not really cheering for myself. Um, I'm playing against Pittman, mostly. I don't really, not playing with Pittman. But <laughs> I do want to see well, players do get I back. Play, do I play him? That's the question I have, Dan, because I have him. <laughs> and I, I'm, and the only reason I say this is because I'm, I've never asked for advice on this show, as you know. But this is the week I need to do it because we're running out of time. I'm going against the number one seed in my Yahoo Fantasy League. And I've got Pittman. And I don't know if I should start him or not. PPR, Brian? Um, it's it's just a traditional. Um, yeah. But PPR, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah PPR. Yeah, full point, yeah. You're, you're playing Michael Pittman. Nobody's been getting more targets than Michael Pittman on the last six weeks. Uh, you're, you're playing Michael Pittman. Yeah, 100%. All right. Uh, Danielle, who's our next guy? Jaden Reed and a toe injury. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get that one. <laughs> Okay, yeah. So he has not practiced yet so far this week. That's the big thing there. Christian Watson also has not practiced yet. So Carolina, tough matchup, but it would raise the the floor for Dontavian Wicks or Romeo Dobbs if you're in a tight spot. Uh, But Danielle, would you play Dontavian Wicks in the flex if there's no Christian Watson, if there's no Jaden Reed? I would consider it for sure, especially if there's no Christian Watson or Reed. So, yeah, I, he would be on my radar for sure. Okay, cool. Who's our next receiver? Nico Collins with his calf. So I know he, he's he been limited the last few days. If he was able to ramp it up today and tomorrow, then that's a good sign. He should be available. I'm hoping so. I also have him on one of my rosters, which I'm in contention with. Here you go, bro. So, come on, Nico Collins. <laughs> Nico Collins is coming back. That's that's what all the beat writers have been reporting. They are expecting him okay. to be back on the field. Now, the tough part is you got a match because Cleveland. The other tough part is your quarterback's going to be Case Keenum. Uh, but I yeah. think as 
and that and that's the part that would probably bother me the most, the Case Keenum part, because I think you're going to see a little bit more Noah Brown instead of Nico Collins as far as the target share goes, because Keenum's not going to push that ball down the field. And that's what Nico Collins ultimately has to live off of, in in, in my opinion. Uh, what we got, we were talking about Zay Jones, Danielle. So who do we got next after that? Chris Godwin and his knee. He's been, I mean, I, I haven't researched what's going on with him now, but I feel like I, that's all I ever talk about with him is his knee. Yeah, um, I will say the report was that this is actually like a new injury on top of the the knee injury that he had. Like this is something different this week because he has not been able to practice. He had played through it previously too, but there there was some talk that maybe this might be a, a re-aggravation of some sort. And I feel like that's the same report we hear every time he's on the injury list. <laughs> that's probably, that's probably, yeah. So I don't know what to make of that. I mean, if he's not practicing at this stage of the game, um, are, are they even in contention anymore? Oh yeah, they're in contention uh, for the for the division winner. There's a lot on the line, actually. For and uh, we'll see. I mean, we'll see what he does tomorrow. Friday is going to be key for a lot of these guys if they can get on the practice field and get some reps in at least. Uh, I, t- I tend I tend to agree with that. Uh, what we got next, Danielle? Marquise Brown and his heel. Another freaking heel. So I talked about Marquise Brown like two weeks ago about this heel. This was a problem though. Yeah, I, I don't get. I don't know what else it could be. Maybe a raging case of plantar fasciitis, like Keenan Allen. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, your guess is as good as mine. I don't know what's going on with these heels all of a sudden. Are we going to blame that on the turf too? I, I don't know. Uh, I well, anytime a player gets an opportunity <laughs> to blame anything on the turf, that's exactly what they've been doing. <laughs> um, but Marquise Brown, in his case, this is a guy who's been in and out, in and out of the lineup, yeah. and there's a lot of people saying they don't think he's going to go this week. So uh, this seems to be more significant than what we realized here. Maybe, I mean, maybe um, he's got a stress fractured in there, but that you know that would mean basically shut it down. Like you don't play through that. So I don't know what else it could be except for some chronic thing that's nagging. That's literally like a day by day, week by week kind of thing, um, and. The only thing that really kind of hits the top of the nail on the head with that is the plantar fasciitis. And I can tell you from experience, it's it's torture having to play through that and stand and walk through that. I mean, it's a nagging, nagging thing. It takes a long time to get better. Sometimes the only way it gets better is with rest. And guys will try to play through it, and it it can it can it can you know bench the the toughest of tough. So yeah, I, 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 I no, it's true. My wife deals with it, and it's it's, it's yep. not fun. I've had to carry her across the threshold a couple of times. Of that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Anyway, uh, Trey, Trey McBride, by the way, fire him up. He's going to get a lot of targets. Our last receiver, Danielle. Tyreek Hill with his ankle injury. Yeah, I think they're going to rest him. To be honest, and that's oh, really we practiced the capacity today. I don't know, man. Like, uh, there's been a lot of reports though coming out of Miami that they're just going to take it slow with them. Um, they got a couple of weeks still to go. They got some tough matchups coming up, and they might just, you know, make sure he's 100% cheetah mode. Um, but we'll see. I mean, listen, if the guy can go, he's going to go. We know he's a gamer. Right. Um, it, I was actually kind of surprised that he didn't play last week. I was actually leaning more towards him playing last weekend, and then the, you know, kind of late in the in the game there, they said no. So I I was actually expecting him back last week. So it wouldn't surprise me if he makes a return this week. I was, but from some of the reports I've been reading and stuff, it sounded like they were going to be cautious with them and give them some more time to rest. Just heading into the last few weeks here. I mean, I'm playing against them, so I wouldn't mind if that happened. I also have Waddle <laughs> in a different league, so I also wouldn't mind for that reason that if that happened. Of course, we want to see these guys out there. But Daniel, sure. let me ask you this question because I, I asked uh, Chris, we got in the green room right now, uh, uh, this question yesterday, and I'd like to get your answer on it. If Tyreek Hill's out there. And you know he's not 100%. Are you at all worried that he could be a decoy? Um, 
Possibly, but also I know exactly the type that Tyreek Hill is. And like Brian was talking about, if he's a gamer, if he's out there, he's going to be getting open. He's going to be making plays. And you can have him out there as a decoy all you want, but no matter what, he's going to lose the defender instantly because of how fast he is. So he might just end up finding himself open anyways most of the time. So I don't know. I don't really know how much of a decoy he would be. Yeah, I tend to think if you if you have Tyreek Hill, you're gonna have to play Tyreek Hill. All right, who's our last player here? Hunter Henry and his knee injury. Yeah, you know, I I I, I glanced at his report um earlier in the week, and it sounded like it wasn't a good sign because I think he was miss had missed some time earlier in the week. Did he? Do we know if he got on the field today? He did not. He has not practiced the last two days in yeah. a row, and they are saying this is a new injury that came late in the game last week. Yeah, that's what I had read, too, so I'm not really sure what the extent of the injury is. Uh, I didn't see the play where he got hurt, but um, you know, two weeks not on the field uh, signifies to me that he's probably dealing with some swelling and pain, which is uh, not good in the knee. You need to really be as close to 100% with the knee as you, injuries as you can, so if he hasn't gotten on the field yet, then I don't anticipate he'll be available. All right. Well, that's going to stink too because he was actually setting up for a good matchup and had my top 12 of tight ends. That's going to do it though for our injury segment. Brian, thanks for coming on as always. Where can we follow you? What do you got coming up? Well, first I want to apologize. I, I I did get here late and I wasn't prepared like I normally am. And that's like terrible to do as we get to the end of the season here. Uh, You're doing much more important things. It's okay. Yeah. Well, I was, unfortunately, I do still work in the field. As some of you know, many of you hopefully do. Uh, I'm a practicing PA in orthopedic surgery and we were doing cases and this is the busiest time of the year. So I was there till about 8 PM tonight, uh, fixing and saving lives one bone at a time. Um, but you can find me. I, I've got my Inside the Medical Tent. I just published it. There was a lot more information there. Uh, we talk about a bunch of players that we might not have covered or I might not have covered at least with you guys tonight. So, you know, you don't have to subscribe. Um, I'm making this one a freebie on the house for everybody. So go check it out on the injurelist.com. Inside the Medical Tent is the season finale, week 16 here. And then next year, we'll have a new revamped one with myself and Andrew LaDuke, who helps me out with this. He does some awesome uh, fantasy um, uh, advice. For this uh, blog that we do so please take a look and if you're interested subscribe next season it's a small cost and it's cancel anytime no commitments and then um you know obviously you can follow me on twitter at interlist pod and i've got a new episode that i dropped earlier this week with the former curator of the college football hall of fame he was also at the pro football hall of fame gentleman by the name of jeremy swick and he came on and shared some really cool experiences talking about some Pro Football Hall of Fame inductees and his experiences in dealing with them. So it's a pretty cool episode. I just released that Monday, and uh, we've got a lot more coming out over the hol- or after the holidays, I should say, with some other uh, f- former NFL players and um, and some really cool stuff. Hopefully, heading into the new year here. So please check out the podcast, the Injured List podcast that's right at the injury list podcast make sure you give brian a follow excellent excellent stuff danielle we want people to follow you at while we're on your break yeah you can follow me at twitter at danielle dubois and then on instagram at danielle underscore dub and i'll be posting all my fun broadcasting things coming up on there excellent check that out guys thanks so much for coming on we'll talk to you soon good luck in your fantasy matchups this week hopefully win some championships this year All right, and with that, we now turn things over to the man of the hour, Mr. Chaz Filardi, Sports Betting Weekly. It's time to win some bets. It's been a few weeks, buddy. Welcome back. How you doing? 
Oh, I'm actually testing positive as we speak, and I don't want to get anybody sick on here, so I'm going to take my chance. Get to the screen, yeah, to the microphone. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Hold on a minute. What am I doing? Yeah, of course. And also, we got Chris Dahauer in the house. Chris, what's going on, man? I could kiss Chris on the lips, and he couldn't get sick tonight. Don't think I won't. Don't 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 think I won't. I'm not tempted you. <laughs> no, how We're are you guys? To have guys you, back with us, Dan. I missed you. Full force and ready to go. We missed you too, man. We gotta we gotta cash some tickets here. Tonight. So when you were when you were in Asia, what time were the football games being played? Uh, when I was sleeping, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, in Brazil, they were kicking off at ten thirty. Yeah, I was so like, it was... I was like nodding out to get the second half line, you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the only thing I got to watch was was the the night games because the Monday night game, the Sunday night game, the Thursday night game would be on early in the morning the next day. So I was watching the Monday night game eight o'clock in the morning Tuesday. That was kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, the other games are going on. You know, when I'm sleeping, because they're at one o'clock and four o'clock in the morning. So I yeah. couldn't stay for that, unfortunately. Thank God for Game Pass. All right. So yes, this is the part of the show where we try to win you guys some Monet. So let's go ahead and dive into this thing. We have a Saturday game at 4.30 between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Bengals favored in this one at minus 2.5 with an over-under now of 38. It was 37.5 earlier in the week. Uh, I personally, Chris, you know this. I have the Cincinnati Bengals covering this one because Mason Rudolph sucks so i had the Bengals taking care of this even without jamar chase speaking of chase where do you have this at or Chaz? sorry keep calling him chase because of chase thornton Chaz, my bad well i was thinking of uh jamar chase doesn't he play on cincinnati but he's not playing though right he's not playing so so here's the thing for a couple weeks now i really wasn't able to to really fulfill my uh, nfl but i didn't miss it because i i put so much effort, you know, from, I don't know, from the time I went up to LA for the Arizona USC game till I left, I went on a, one of the best tears of my life. And part of it was I started doing the round robins and I did it because of us. I did it because one of us was always wrong. Right. And I realized that two out of three shouldn't lose your money. And I preach that, you know, me, I, I, I preach that, uh, that parlays are a part of a strategy. You, sh- they're like reverse insurance in case something goes right. You should always have parlays. God forbid you, you're right. You go six for six or seven for seven, and I hit a few of those, and it was you know it's pretty special. Then I had a couple where the I lost the last game of a seven teamer, and then I lost the last game of a six teamer. But because it was the last game, I was able to hedge. So I had a thousand dollars on. The Chicago Bears, when they played Minnesota in the first half. Now, this is a guy who has $3.75 parlay sometimes. I had a $1,000 ticket. My wife was losing. I said, no, sweetie, you don't understand. It's it's a hedge. There's no emotion involved. I either won 1000 or I won $1,500. I'm, you know, I'm taking my money and going to Brazil with it. But <clears throat> so I, I haven't done any of the data sheet. I did capture all the lines, and I just waited until I got back. And of course, I, I did that the first day, and the next day I got COVID. So, so I'm all caught up. But listen to this numbers for Pittsburgh. In the, in the first half, in their last 11, they're 1-10 against the spread. So there you go, Cincinnati. In the second half, they're under 12 of 14. And for the road, because uh, uh, no, at, at home, they're at home this week, right? In the second half, they're under 11 of 14. So yeah, Cincinnati and the under seems like to play there. 
Chris, where are you at on that? Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, I'm a little nervous. I think the, the Mike Tomlin, um, you know, mystique kind of worries me where I, he always seems to pull a rabbit out of the hat some kind of way. Um, but uh, to Chaz's point, Pittsburgh has not been good at home. They haven't been covering it late. Cincinnati's been doing well. I do think Jamar Chase is going to be missed, but I think the firepower is still enough to be able for Cincinnati to cover and for and then for the under to actually hit as well. Yeah, I would imagine if you if you have a game where Jamar Chase is out, the under looks a lot better than the over. Yeah, yeah, I definitely like the under here at 38. Uh, I'm on the same boat there. All right, so moving on, we have the Saturday night game, which is the Buffalo Bills taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. This line has been fluctuating like crazy. It opened at 13 and a half. It was down at 11 and a half earlier today. It's now at 12 and a half for the Buffalo Bills with an over-under of 44. This is actually one of my lock bets of the week. Lock in. It's a lock. And that would be the Buffalo Bills covering at minus 12 and a half. We have no Keenan Allen now on top of it. I don't know how the Chargers are going to score points. And this is a perfect opportunity for the passing game of the Bills to get some action going here, which they have not really been able to do over the past couple of weeks. So I think they blow them out. I think they blow them out big. I like the Bills to cover the big line here. What do you got, Chaz? Yeah, you know, uh, this is one of uh, the first half. Actually, the Bills' first half is one of my plays. And it's funny because, as you know, I, I'm not afraid against bashing the charge. I've been bashing, you know, for years now. But it's been really fun to bash them lately because they're just making it so easy. And then New England, I was laughing because New England lost to Vegas 6 to nothing, right? And then the Chargers gave up 70 <laughs> to Vegas. And I'm thinking – Boy, uh, they fired everybody, but as long as Spanos is there, and I've got a lot of people that are dear friends and business people I know that are Charger fans, and I told them, it's the curse, man. Curses are a serious thing, guys. <laughs> Chris, are you seeing this game the same way? Well, Chad's so stupid hiring, but um, I think one of the things that the Chargers are They stuck their own quarterback in the lung with a needle. What? <laughs> How do you do that? Yep. You're a cheap franchise. Um, <laughs> no, the, the get back back on track, Dan, real quick. I think the thing you talked about, you know, Buffalo getting back on track, I agree with you. I think this is almost like a preseason game for Buffalo where they have a lot to play for. This Charger team has pretty much nothing to play for. Uh, the Bills have a lot of things they can kind of grind and axe with. Josh Allen, as long as he's healthy, should be able to just kind of roll out there and get some easy points. I like, to, I like Buffalo to win. I like Buffalo to win big. And I think that, the, you know, we usually see a coach bump when a new, you know, Chad's talked about the coaches have getting fired. Usually there's a, a bump after the week after. I don't think Giff Smith is going to bring that bump, Dan. So no, 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 no. And again, part of that is, you know, you got to have some roster to get a bump with. Agreed. Uh, yeah, so we're all cashing in on the Buffalo Bills here. All right, so our next action, we finally get to Sunday. Yes, there's only two Saturday games. I know there was three last week. But now we get to 1 o'clock on Christmas Eve, and we got the Detroit Lions taking on the Minnesota Vikings. This line has also gone down. The Detroit Lions are minus three here on the road with an over-under of 47 and a half. I don't think we're going to see a lot of offensive firepower. So I'm actually cashing in on the under in this game. Minnesota's defense has been very good as of late. The Detroit lines at least are very good against the run. They can make you one dimensional. I don't think we're going to see a ton of points uh, in this game, quite frankly. So Chaz, what do you got here? Well, this is the game where what jumped out at me was that Detroit does better 
in the second quarter. So their their halftime lines look good, but their first quarter lines don't. So I've got Detroit as a second quarter play. And, I, you know, I've done pretty good with my weird little quarter plays this year. Okay. I call them weird, but when they cash, really, are they weird? No, nothing's weird when you cash. Uh, Chris, how are you seeing this one turning out? Yeah, Dan, I don't know if I'm necessarily bore with you with the under on this game. I do think there's going to be some scoring in this game. Um, Byron Murphy's banged up. He hadn't he had in practice today. I don't know if you know you commented about him earlier uh, with Brian Scott, but I know that Byron Murphy, you know, if he's not out there, is pretty much one of the best secondary players that the Vikings do have. I think Detroit got back on track last week. I think their offense is going to get back on track versus the Viking team. I like, I like what I saw at Nick Mullins and the Vikings and Tyson Chandler last week. So with the Justin Jefferson back, Addison, all the weapons in place, I think this game's been a little bit sneaky for scoring. Um, I'm going to go with Detroit in this game. I'm not really super confident on that, but I do, like, like I said, I'm more with the not going on the under per se. Okay, well, we'll see how that all shakes loose. Uh, we go to our next matchup here. We got the Green Bay Packers taking on the Carolina Panthers, and this is another one of my lock bets of the week. Welcome in. It's a lock. I know the Panthers pulled off the upset against the Atlanta Falcons last week, and I know the Green Bay Packers have been playing poorly up until this point, but the Panthers have not covered at all when they've been 4.5 point underdogs or more. They're five point underdogs in this game, and if the Packers don't cover this game, then uh, Matt LaFleur needs to lose his job. So I'm going to go with the Packers covering this game as a lock for me here at minus five. Chaz, what are you looking at here? I went to an all-boys Catholic school for high school, Notre Dame High School in West Haven, Connecticut. I scored more in high school than Carolina scored. (laughs) Zero points in seven of eight in the first quarter. Three or less in six of seven for the first half. Ten or less in eight of nine for the second half. And 15 or less in seven of eight. The Bears, remember the Bears were pretty good in 86, right? And they, they even couldn't win if they scored only 15 points. (laughs) <laughs> and don't forget last week it took a torrential downpour and a nine to seven game from the pull off that win too late, uh, right and it was late if i remember <laughs> yeah, it they needed all, all 60 minutes it was very late uh chris how you seeing this thing yeah i'm i'm mixed on this dan logic tells me i'm i should be with you and go green bay and as Chaz alluded to carolina can't score but I don't have a whole lot of confidence in this Green Bay team. I, I think there's probably coach. And I, you talk about the floor's job costing you to be on the line. I think Carolina keeps it closer, and I actually think that's that they're going to cover it. I'm not going to go for the upset, but I think they're going to actually cover this or beat the spread. Wow. Do you remember, though, guys? Do you remember, like, maybe a year ago, his name was on the screen, the coach, with the greatest starting record, like, in the history of the NFL. Remember that? He, he, he was, like – doing amazing numbers things and then next thing you know you get a different quarterback and the world changes tends to happen okay chris thinks the green bay packers are imploding that's interesting uh the colts are taking on the falcons in this matchup (laughs) i I feel like it's kind of imploding but yeah sure um (laughs) the colts are taking on the land of falcons in our next matchup uh, believe it or not, the Falcons are favored in this game at minus two and a half in Atlanta. The over-under is 44 and a half. The Taylor Heineke move has people going on Atlanta in this one, and I'm calling 
underdog special for this. And I'm taking the Indianapolis Colts to win this game outright, especially now that we know or have a really good feeling, at least that Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman are going to be available for this game against the Atlanta Falcons, too, on top of it. So I'm definitely taking the Colts to win this game outright on the road. Chaz, what are you seeing here? Actually, I've got the over here in the first half because uh, Indy's been over in eight of nine at, uh, overall and eight of ten on the road uh, in the first half. While Atlanta was their last four have all gone over in the first half. So this will be, um, you know, cover the first half and then watch a Christmas movie game. I like that. Chris, what do you got here? Yeah, we watched the Christmas movie probably during this game, though, Chad. The offenses, <laughs> <laughs> the offenses aren't going to be very exciting to watch in, in general. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I'm going to go with the better coach team, and I'm going to go with the Colts. I think the Colts, the more firepower, you actually have an idea how to use the firepower, what I like the Atlanta team. And I think Atlanta right now has been struggling. I think Atlanta has the better matchup. They should be able to run the ball versus the Colts. They should be able to better defense. Everything on paper shows you that Atlanta should be able to win this game at home. But I have to go back to coaching, and I'm with one of the Colts in this game. All right. I like that, too. So we're on board. Uh, the next game, we had a complete flip with the announcement of Case Keenum being the starting quarterback. The Houston Texans were favored when this line opened up. And now it is in favor of the Cleveland Browns on the road at minus three with an over-under of 40. I am taking the Browns to cover. I know the Houston Texans get Nico Collins back. Maybe that helps them with the overall offensive firepower. In this one, I know Cleveland's defense has not necessarily been the same on the road as they have been at home. I do think they're just ultimately the better team without C.J. Shroud. So I am going to take the Cleveland Browns to cover this one at minus three. Chaz, what do you have here? That This game is one of my game plays. I don't, you know what, it's funny. You go through 16 games, right? And it's hard to find... Four or five to jump out of you. That's why I've always been impressed with those guys that could bang 70% winners in those circuit contests, you know, then picking five winners each week against the spread. Because it's hard to find five games I want to put my real American money on. But this one is one of them, and I got the over in this game. And the reason I it jumped out at me is that Cleveland has had their road games go over, but Houston has scored 20 points or more in seven straight um, at home. And, and, you know, 20 points is half of the over. Okay, I like the over there. Okay, we'll take that. Chris, what do you think here? Yeah, this is one I'm not going to go with the math. And Chaz, you saw I love the math, but without the quarterback, C.J. Stroud, who counted most of those 20-point games at home, I'm a little bit worried about you know this, this Houston offense scoring. Danny talked about getting the weapons back. I mean, I saw Chicago pretty healthy versus Cleveland defense and still couldn't do anything offensively. Justin Fields wasn't able to move the ball. I don't know. Cleveland, Cleveland, too, which has been different. I just want to point out that that was in Cleveland. Cleveland's defense has been different that's in Cleveland. A, that's a very, very fair point, very good point. Um, but also facing a better talented quarterback, not Case Keenum. My point getting to what is is that the offensive line for Houston has been a struggle this whole season. They give a lot of pressure. I do like Chaz's over in a sense because I do think there's been some turnovers in this game. We switch off Flacco, have no problem launching the ball to either team. Um, and we've seen Houston kind of have some issues with the turnovers in the past. And both teams have pace. So I like the over in this game, but I like Cleveland to win. You, like you really do have to give a shout out to Flacco. I mean, golly gee, you know. I think I thought he was in. A, I really thought he was in a retirement home somewhere. Uh, so did everybody else. And guess what? He comes out now. He's like, oh, I'm going to play even longer. I'm going to play next year now because I'm just lighting this whole thing up. It's been a lot of fun to watch a quarterback actually. He's actually playing better now than he did when he won a Super Bowl. I know it's it's incredible when you're actually able to have an arm because we've seen so many checkdown caliber quarterbacks. Chaz, real quick, can I jump on this real quick? Yeah, go ahead. 
So, Chaz, you've been a longtime football fan. This is my big thing on my peeve at football. I always think there should be a good backup quarterback. And for, for some reason, the NFL doesn't value that. I've never understood it. But my big thing is, for history, I've always been a valuer of those older quarterbacks who had good arms. Because usually, as they age, they learn how to play quarterback better. But as long as they still have that arm, is the big key. Now, they can lose a little velocity, but they can still be able to zip it. And like Joe Flacco's not throwing the same fastball he was. But compared to everybody else's fastball, it's still a pretty good one. So I, to me, that's always something I think that gets undervalued and forgotten about. Those veteran quarterbacks with the good arms make fantastic backups, in my opinion. No, and, 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 and it makes sense because you know, oh, if you're playing in a Super Bowl and won it, there's not, you're not going to have pressure playing in a regular season game. And some of those guys that are coming off the bench that had clipboards and have never really played, you, you see them. They, they just can't handle it. Yep, no, I agree. Uh, we get to our next game here. We got the Seattle Seahawks taking on the Tennessee Titans. The Seahawks on the road are favored at minus three and a half with an over under of 41 and a half. This is another one of those games where we have a quarterback change, most likely, I guess I should say. Will Levis dealing with the high ankle sprain. We talked about that earlier in the show with Brian Scott. Ryan Tannehill expected to come in. And if we remember earlier this season, it looks like kind of Ryan Tannehill might have fallen off a cliff. It was just absolutely putrid on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I do think Seattle covers here. They get Geno Smith back. So I think they're going to be able to cover the minus three and a half in this game. And it'll just be too much eventually for Tennessee. Chaz, how do you see this thing going down? The one stat that, uh, or t- uh, the one data point that jumps out is Tennessee in the second half, one and seven against the spread overall, allowing 10 points or more in seven of eight. Seattle, though, that was the 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 late game, and you know, I've been sick, so I didn't make it to the late game, and I was just shocked when I opened my phone the next morning. They were they didn't look like they had a shot of winning that game. It was ten three and they were done. And yep, somehow, and as a 49ers fan, nothing made me happier. Chris, how you doing? Yeah, so I struggle with this one, Dan. If this game's in Seattle, I'd be very confident in the Seattle covering and winning this game. But because it's in Tennessee, I think Tennessee's a different team at home. And they're going to be able to run the ball. I think this game's going to be close and low scoring. So I'm actually going to go with Tennessee to cover in this game. Oh, look at you. Going with the underdog special in this one. Uh, can't argue with it too much. Seattle may be coming off of a tr- kind of a trap. I mean, they have a lot on the line. So it's hard to say they're going to come off a trap game, but it is an emotional win on a Monday night game uh, none, nonetheless. So- oh, that was uh, – the you must have doesn't even work to describe that win, right? Yeah, 100% for Seattle. And the Rams continue what they're doing right now. Seattle's going to kind of be in a similar situation again this Sunday, which is why I don't think it necessarily gets to them. But we have seen that work out in the past. Here's a game I don't want to spend too much time on. We got the Jets and the Washington Commanders, the over-under sitting at a whopping 37. And the Jets in New York are favored at minus three with Trevor Simeon at quarterback. And as bad as Sam Howell has been lately, I am still taking the Commanders to win this game. I think the Jets are about to quit on this team. I honestly think the Jets are about to quit on this team. So I'm taking the Commanders to actually win this game outright. Uh, Chaz, what do you got here? Uh, the Jets in the first half are three and eleven against the spread overall. Second half one and seven against the spread overall. Game one and seven against the spread overall. And then the second half, uh, their defense has showed up though. They've allowed ten or less in eleven of twelve, pretty much the whole season. Right? Yeah, that pretty much wraps it up. I mean, Chris, are you seeing this the same way? What do you got? Yeah, this is one of the situations. Even if I had Chaz's hedge, but 
earlier, I would be rotting any money on this game. I'm not touching this game with 10 foot pole, Dan. I'm not trusting Trevor Simeon, but I'm also not trusting Washington, who would bench their quarterback and quarterback again after basically their team quit on them as well. So I'm not looking at either franchise breaks. Yeah, I do. I have a sheet in front of me that has a play in every single game, a quarter here, a half there, whatever it is. And that one is blank. <laughs> blank. Not a thing, not a piece of ink written on it. Yeah, that's this is like I said yesterday. This is two bad organizations facing off on Sunday. You could probably go ahead and skip this game, even if you're fans of the team. I think all you want is your team to lose for draft picks at this point, anyway. Uh, so we go to our four o'clock hour on Sunday and Christmas Eve. Jacksonville Jaguars taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And now that we do have some clarity as far as what we think Trevor Lawrence's availability is going to be, which I think is not going to be the case, the Buccaneers are favored here at minus three points with an over under of. 40 and a half. I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers cover here at home. I, I don't don't think and the Buccaneers defense, by the way, they're getting all their guys back. They're all getting healthy this week. I, I don't see how CJ Bathard led Jacksonville Jaguar team with a Doug Peterson stale offense is, is going to win this game in Tampa Bay. I just don't. So I got the Buccaneers winning this game outright uh, or covering, I guess I should say. Chaz, what do you see here? Um, yeah, you know what? I've, I've got Tampa Bay in the first half. I'm betting them. I'm betting, I am betting the second half over, but you know, it looks like I may be having to write an apology letter. You know, I've written quite a few apology letters since you guys know me because I'm not afraid to, 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 to call what I see. And then if I'm wrong, I, I admit it. I may have to address one that Baker Mayfield. Yeah, Chris knows this. I will apologize for nothing. I know what Baker Mayfield is, even if he's having a decent season. I think I was kind of right on Gino. Gino came back down the earth this year, too. Sometimes things just go right. Okay. And maybe, maybe what we should be talking about is Dave Canales as the next head coach somewhere. That maybe that's what we should be talking about. Well, the, the about. other aspect, it is the NFL, and you know, you can get away with something for 18 games. You know, you could you yeah. could you could you could be special for eighteen games, you know, by season and a half or so. And then you know what? The good coaches are gonna figure it out and shut you down. Chris, you can tell me how I'm being a hater. Go ahead. What'd you say? <laughs> so you can tell me how I'm being a hater. Go ahead. No, I'm not gonna tell you being a hater because I'm actually proud of you for actually coming around David Canales, who you killed for most of the offseason and finally admitted maybe he, he could be decent. Um, so I do think that he's doing a pretty good job. But to everybody's point, I'm not, you know, loving or Baker Field or anything along those lines, but having Trevor Lawrence is going to be huge for Jacksonville. I still think you can move the ball if you're Jacksonville because Hippa Bay secondary just gives up points just because, they're, you know, they do. Um, but on the flip side, so does Jacksonville secondary. Mike Evans is having a good year. As long as, Mike, you know, Chris Godwin's out there, they have some other decent weapons between them and Rashad and White. I think Tampa Bay's going to cover. I think Tampa Bay's going to win this game. So I like Tampa Bay, as you alluded to, as the bet. All right. I like that. All right. So moving on here, we got the Dallas Cowboys and the Miami Dolphins, the biggest game on the Christmas Eve slate. Uh, this game is essentially a pick The Dolphins are only favored by a point. The over-under is 50. So people want to try to attack that over-under because right, we're hoping for high-fly, high-scoring game. And you know what? Every time we've been given a 50 over-under this season, it has disappointed seriously every single time. And... Unfortunately, I don't think this game is going to be any different. I'm actually taking the under here. and We get a little bit of a disappointment on the offensive side of the ball for both these teams to some degree. So, Chaz, what are you looking at here? Yeah, I've got two stats that have nothing to do with the numbers. I've got the Seattle, Philly, Buffalo, and now Miami. Back to back to back to back. That's the lineup that Dallas has faced. So, you know, 
those are teams that they take a lot out of you when you when you're playing good teams every week. They're taking a lot out of you, and and you, you need a gimme once in a while. And Miami at home is not a gimme, uh, and it's their third in a row at home. Now, third in a row at home games in the NFL don't happen a lot. It's just you don't see them on the schedule. I like Miami. Okay, okay, uh, Chris, you, you like somebody in this game to win? Or, or I like Miami playing. in this game, actually, like because they're at home. I think that they're the better team overall. I think they're a better coach team overall. Having said that, I also think I'm going to go against you on the under, though. Do you think the over is going to hit on this game? For the simple fact, I think there's turnovers to be had for both these defenses. Both quarterbacks will have chances to turn the ball over. I think that's going to happen. So I think the points are going to be out there. Not necessarily pretty points, but they're going to be out there. So I'm going to go the over in this game as well. You know, this could be one of those games that I think you'll know right away. You'll, one of you is going to be right, and one of you is going to be wrong, right? But I think you're going to know right away. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. If you come out hot, then yeah, Chris, I'm totally with you. If not, then yeah, I don't think it's going to want to reach. If, if you know, if, if if they drive down the field and, and kick a field goal, and then there's a turnover, and they play between the 30s, and they get a lot of yards, but they don't get any points, it, it could end up being you know a, a, a 20 to 17 game. But I don't know. You'll see. Yeah, it's just I and mean, Chris, the numbers I'm going off of have actually nothing to do with the Dolphins or the Cowboys. It's just it's how this year has gone. There no, and I, I 100 yeah. understand that. The only difference for me in this game, in a sense, is I, I talked about it before. I'm big on pace, especially when I go over and unders. And both teams actually have a good decent amount of plays out there. There's a good chance for the overs, and then when you have turnovers in the equation, we've seen teams like the Colts put up 30 or 40 points because of those situations. Cleveland's another similar team that does something like that. So that's why I'm kind of looking at the situation where I agree with you that it might not still be the high-flying offense everybody thinks it's going to be, but the points can still be there just because of the turnovers that can be part of the game and the amount of plays you're going to get. Who's, who does Dallas play next week? Do you know? Do you have that? Anybody have that in front of you? Detroit. Detroit. Yeah. Hey, yeah. So I mean, they, they, this is a tough schedule they've got right now. No, yeah, it, it's a gauntlet that they're running here well, down good, the end because they played nobody for about seven. Well, games. no, that's usually how it works. Yeah, <laughs> you got to pay the piper, right? Yeah, yes. at some point you'd think. Uh, let's get to our next game, which is another lock them in for me. Lock them in. It's a lock. And that would be the Chicago Bears and the Arizona Cardinals. The Bears at home are favored in this game at minus four. The over-under sitting at 43. I do not expect a lot of points, but that's not where I'm going with this. My lock them in is the Chicago Bears covering at minus four. Uh, outside of Trey McBride, I don't know offensively what Arizona is going to necessarily be able to do in this game. Remember last week, and I've heard some people pointing to this this week, Cardinals broke 29 against San Fran. And I keep trying to remind everybody, San Fran had their entire middle of their defensive line out, and uh, no one's been able to run in Chicago for six weeks now. So if you can't run in Chicago, I don't, you can't set up play action, which is the only thing Kyler Murray's been successful at throwing the football so far. So outside of Trey McBride, I don't know what kind of offensive fire power they have i think chicago covers this easily justin field should have his way with his arizona defense so i'm locking in chicago covering at minus four Chaz, how do you see this going yeah this is one of my game plays i've got the under as you alluded to uh arizona though is allowing 21 plus and six of seven chicago is allowed 13 or less than three of three and 21 is 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 more than 13 yeah that's that's that solid math right there uh chris what well, you i told you i went to a Procure high school, man. Good education. <laughs> That's right. I know mathematics. Uh, Chris, what do you got? Yeah, this is another game I'm not that very excited about. I think the Chicago should cover, but I think it could be close. I'm worried it's going to be like a field goal that covers this game because Chicago as you know, isn't necessarily blowing anybody out either. They're not getting a lot of points. They're not scoring a lot of points. Arizona has been kind of feisty. 
I wish this game's a little bit colder in Chicago, then I'd be more excited about it. So I'm not really going to bet on this it game. It could wind up being. We, we don't know yet. It could, it like could wind up being pretty cold on Sunday. It's like 50s. No, there's a cold front coming in, too, just depending upon when it's going to hit. So we just have to kind of wait and see. It could hit Sunday. It might hit Monday. So that's kind of what we're looking at right now. Um, but I, because I'm kind of with you, like if, if this was going to be cold, uh, first of all, I would lock in the, on the other number one, but number two, that would definitely heavily favor Chicago. Yeah. If it would it actually be cold. So I am with you there when it comes to like that weather change a little bit. Uh, all right. So let's go to our next game. We got the Sunday night game. I think you'll have better things to do on Christmas Eve. Hopefully, this is actually going up. The Denver Broncos were favored at six. They're now favored at seven at home in Denver. It's funny. The Broncos line moved wider, but the over-under got lower. This game went down to 34 points. I found that a little funny. Um, uh, This is like getting coal in your stocking, Dan. (laughs) Well, here's my thing. Hunter Henry's going to be out for the Patriots. I don't know how much they're going to be able to score. Denver's defense is better than what we saw last week against Detroit. We know Denver does doesn't want to score more points than they have to. So I know this is kind of burned me in the past to go under, even on these really, really low over-unders, especially in the Thursday night games. Uh, but I'm still going to take the under here, uh, under 34. Chaz, what do you see here? Yeah, <clears throat> in their last five, New England has been under in all the second half, scoring seven or less, six straight games. Um, I like Denver, though, in this game. Okay, okay. Uh, Chris, what, how do you see this? Yeah, so Chaz talked about the Chargers and kind of you know their downfall of scoring six points versus the New England Patriots in that fun six nothing game that wound up being. I think my son, my game. son, my son, not to get off track. He needed uh, the running back uh, Eckler right to score the first touchdown. He had parlayed with Hill to score the first touchdown for Miami. We're in Brazil, so it's late in the day, and uh, we're pretty drunk at this point. And Hill scores the first touchdown for Miami. So now it's got like for ten bucks, he wins like three fifty. That's a nice hit, right? 35 to 1. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I told you, you should have parlayed with no touchdown at all. That would have paid better. Yeah. yeah. And that's my big fear in this game, Dan. I like the under in this game because guess who has one touchdown? Javante Williams. There's not a lot of touchdowns to be scored by anybody in this game. So I am not excited for the over by any means, which means I love the under, Dan. I know it's burning the past, but I'm with you. I think this is a big, fat, you know, piece of coal for all of us to enjoy Christmas Eve. <laughs> Santa Claus is not coming to this game. All right, so we go to Monday. Now, Monday, guys, keep in mind, there are three games on Monday, and that's more important for fantasy purposes than necessarily betting purposes, but just keep that in mind. We have one at 1 o'clock, which is the Raiders and Chiefs, one at 4 o'clock, the Giants and Eagles, and one on the Monday night game, which is the Ravens. And so so what happened? Over, at some point, the NFL decided the NBA is not going to own uh, Christmas Day anymore, right? I mean, or has it just happened to be this year? What has worked? No, it's been the last couple of years. What has worked out is that the last few years, Christmas Day has been on a weekend day. Right. So, whether it's been a Saturday or, or Sunday right. or even Friday a couple of years ago. So, they've been able to kind of make these games so they can kind of eat into that. What's going to be interesting, and I actually had a little bit of this conversation yesterday, is that next year, Christmas Day falls on a Wednesday. I don't know if the NFL can really pull that one off. Right. Because there, because we have a, a tradition in our family. We go to the beach every year because we live in San Diego. And it was, it was the kids were loving it because my kids are hoops fans. They had five or six great games in a row on, you know? Not a football yeah. game, not even a bowl game was that to be found. Uh, that could be a Christmas poem now that I think about it. 
<laughs> we'll work on that before holidays. Uh, <laughs> All right, so let's get into the Raiders and the Chiefs here. The Chiefs are favored in this game at minus 10 with an over-under of 41. I said this all week. I think this is the Raiders' Super Bowl, and they've been playing inspired football, and the Chiefs haven't been able to put anybody away. So you know what? Give me the Raiders to cover the 10-point spread in this game. Chaz, how do you see this going? Yeah, this game is really interesting for me because I do not see a possibility that the Raiders win this game. Uh, last three at home for Kansas City have been Miami, Philly, and Buffalo. Right? All going to make the playoffs probably. Um, but Kansas City can't score, and they can't score because the whole – a concept of an offensive passing game is one guy throws the ball to another human down the field, preferably more than 10 yards, who uses both his hands to catch the ball. And they just seem to not be able to understand that concept. Yeah, it's been a little brutal watching that. Uh, Chris, how do you think this is going to go? Oh, one, one more one more oh, stat. In the, in the first quarters at home, in their last 15 games, Kansas City's been under in 14 of them. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't think there's gonna be a ton of points scored in this game either. So I do like the under here, Chris. What do you think? Yeah, this one's a tough one for me. Part of me feels with you, Dan. Like you know, I like the idea of the Raiders kind of playing for the Super Bowl. We saw Pierce, you know, with that Chiefs team kind of give them all they wanted the first time around. Um, but I also think the Chaz's point is really hard for me to see the Chiefs not winning this game. I do think that the Raiders cover in this game. I don't think the Chiefs are going to by ten. I think they have a struggle to score ten, you know, even ten points in the game as it is. So I don't like them to win by 10. That's the only thing I feel any kind of, you know, betting on this game wise. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Let's go to the Giants and the Eagles. The Eagles are favored in this game at minus 13 and a half with an over under of 43. Look, I know the Eagles haven't looked great. And that game against Seattle, I think, is something to be concerned about. But it looked like the Tommy DeVito magic finally wore off a little bit last week. And I do think the Eagles could look at this game as an opportunity to get right to some degree. I do think the Eagles actually cover this big spread in this minus 13 and a half game here myself. Uh, Chaz, what do you think happens in this one? You you guys both heard the uh, the pizza story, the pizzeria story, right? Yes. Yeah, we have, yeah. Yeah. There's so many. Well, Dan, he, he was supposed to. You know, I'm a Filardi, so you know, I'm not going to bash too bad. For an appearance. He, he asked for 10. After he did well, he asked for 20. Then he tried to act like that wasn't something that was, you know, he got lost in translation along the way. Uh gotcha. So he still showed up. It was a Morristown, by the way. So no, the, right, right here, the woods. here's Philly's last five opponents, right? Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco, Dallas, and Seattle. I I, I got it. And, and and they they were focused on Matt Patricia, right? And their last three, they've scored 19, 13, and 17. Is he calling the plays? What, what side of the ball is he on? I mean, their problem is not been defensive. Their problem is they, oh. they, they don't know what whether they're at home or they're on the road. They're just two different teams sometimes, Philly. But I, I like him here. Okay. All right. I, I, I will say defense has definitely been a problem to, to some degree. Uh, but, uh, Chris, how do you see this going? Yeah, I think the Eagles should get right in this game. The spread's a little bit strong for me just because I haven't been very impressed with this Eagle offense in general. The Giants' defense has been pretty good. I know they got blown out this past week. Um, I'm actually just going to go on the under in this game. I think both offenses are going to be challenged to score points in this game. The Eagles you know, should be able to win, so I'm going to go with the uh, under is my comfortable bet on this game. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I don't blame you there. No, I do uh, have one note here that says Philly scores 28 at home against everybody 
but San Francisco. And I think, uh, Dan, you know San Francisco's pretty good. San Francisco is pretty good. Let's talking. Speaking of San Francisco, Segway, Segway, baby. That's right. That's why he's a professional, folks. Uh, it's a Monday night game, and other than the Dolphins Cowboys game, is probably the best game of the week. Uh, Ravens heading to San Fran. This game sits at a minus five and a half in favor of the 49ers with an over under of 47. I can't bet on this game yet. Uh, the reason why I can't bet on this game yet, if you guys pay attention to injury reports, Niners still waiting to see, is Javon Hargrave, is Eric Armstead going to play? They didn't practice today. They still have two more days to practice, of course, because this is the Monday night game. If those guys are not going to go, the Ravens are going to be able to run the football. If they're going to be able to run the football, I would actually have them winning this game outright against San Francisco. Keep in mind, now that the Cowboys and the Eagles have lost and are one game behind San Fran, all San, San Fran doesn't have to win this game. They just have to win week 17 to 18. So if they see this as an opportunity to get some of their star players on the defensive side right, then we may see them maybe not go all out against Baltimore like we think they would uh, as a result to that. So I got to see who's going to be healthy on the defensive side ball for San Fran. If those two guys play, I think San Fran actually covers in this game. So my bet would go the opposite direction. That's where I'm at. Chaz, what do you think? It's so funny you said that because I just left my wife downstairs who's feeling a little better today because she got it before me. But I said to her, you know what, because she's a, she you know switched from the Chargers to the Ravens and last Christmas I gave her a Tucker jersey. So she's got like three or four different jerseys now. So she's all purple. She's got a Ravens water cup. She's just all Ravens. And and I told her, I said, I I, I can't make a play in this game. I got to just wait and see what happens because this is just looking like an incredible football game. But I'm leaning to going all over. And that all over is where I bet the team total over for both teams and the over. And I just be like Mama Kelsey rooting for everybody. It's not a bad bet, actually. There could be some more offense in this game. I think people realize. Chris, how do you see in this one go? Well, I don't have a strong vibe, kind of as Chaz alluded to, but I was going to kind of go the opposite, just get all fired up because I like to be a Ravens fan. I like the word for the Ravens, and I want to kind of you know take disrespect to the Ravens feel and kind of generate the ex- expectations so much to show up in San Francisco so and show them who's boss. I don't understand if that's going to be the case. But I'll go with that. I'm gonna, you know, for I throw a couple of checkles on the Ravens. I do think, to your point, Dan, the Ravens are gonna be able to run the ball in this game, even if some of the guys are able to play. I think the Ravens are gonna be able to move the ball in general. I do think it's gonna be more defensive battle actually than both of you guys do. I'm not sure. I'm not gonna, you know, bet on the under necessarily, but I think you're gonna see both. There's gonna be some turnovers in this game. I think, and I think as a result, I think the Ravens are able to kind of pull it out. I think that you know they're gonna take kind of what they said to heart and want to play the under underdog role. It's so funny, Chris, because turnovers are so impactful in a football game, but where they happen is is so impactful. So going in on the 30 is one thing. Coming out on the 30, a whole different animal, right? But um, I I looked at this game, and one of the reasons I, I, I couldn't make a call in this game is, first of all, this has got Super Bowl pre-match written all over it. And B, five and a half points to the best team in the AFC. It seems like too many points. But when, as we all know, they know what they're doing when they set yeah. that point. So they know what they're doing. I, I, I know. I don't think this game should have been set at anything more than three and a half. That's, so I do think it was too many points. Uh, just so I'm clear, because I think I missed something. 
because I, I did hear a little bit about the headlines, like Baltimore saying they feel disrespected. What did I miss there? Well, because of, as you alluded to, they feel like they shouldn't be five and a half dogs. Oh, okay. They it feel is like okay. they pretty much showed you that they whooped everybody in the NFC so far. Why shouldn't this be another chance where they whoop somebody else in the NFC? Why should they be the dogs? Just because they're on the road. So they kind of take that as disrespect, they say, as you know, coming in San Francisco. That's, they got a legitimate point because it confused me. But you know, I've been doing this for a long time, and every single time we think a line screwed up, um, normally it's Monday when we know, but today will be Tuesday. This week it'll be Tuesday. We'll know, you know. And and you know, you think about it. You work all night. You you bring kids all over the world. Presents. You deserve a game like this when you're resting at home with your elves. <laughs> okay, so on that, I'm going to give my player props, Chaz, and we can get together and get the the uh, three-way parlay we have not been able to do in a while and get that off the ground. Uh, Chris, I'd love to get your thoughts here. So for my lock player prop bets of the week, going back to that Ravens 49ers game, I am locking in on Isaiah Likely over 35 and a half receiving yards. He has been one of the top targets. OBJ is kind of questionable right now, dealing with his own things. Zay Flowers may not be 100% going into this game and San Francisco has not been very good against the tight ends, especially over the last six weeks. So I have the over on Isaiah likely at 35 and a half yards. My second player prop lock is going to be Easton stick over his 0.5 interception mark. Yes. I think he throws at least one pick in this game against Buffalo. I don't think that's a much of a stretch to be honest with you. My other one is James cook 21 and a half receiving yards. He's been over that prop the last four games in a row. And we know the chargers let up a lot of receiving yards to the running backs. So I'm locking in that. What do you think of those three? I love all of them. Just my smart ass comment for the East's dick one is it, it may not be the one that hits just because you might fumble the ball more often. Than you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? You don't, I don't think there's any books I've seen that, that say turnovers, right? That's always, no, it's always yeah. an interception when it comes yeah. to quarterbacks. Yeah, it's, it's not because well, you saw Jacksonville. He's running down the field the other day. And he just dropped the ball. I, I can't believe you can't bet on fumbles with quarterbacks. I used to want to do that all the time with Daniel Jones, and I never had the option to do so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. That would have been the winner. <laughs> all right, uh, Chris, are you ready with your parlay team offering? Ooh, give me one second. I got to okay, think. Not, 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 not a problem at all. Uh, I am going to take the Green Bay Packers minus four and a half against the Carolina Panthers. That is going to be my offering for the part lay. Chaz, what do you got? Well, Chris, I see smoke coming out of his head. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I, I think I'm going to go Denver. I think I'm going to go Denver only because New England's just so, so poor. And then, and, and I, you know, I was bashing the Denver coach pretty early, pretty hard early in the year, if you remember. So, I yeah, okay. So he's got Denver to cover. Chris, what do you got? Well, you guys left me the, the lollipop, so I'll take Buffalo to. Um, okay. I love them versus you know what this Chargers team doesn't beating up on. Then we all can agree that we're not very all big fans of the Chargers, so it would be surprising to see them blow yet another game and Buffalo pull it out for us. All right, so Buffalo minus 12 and a half, Chicago, uh, Green Bay, excuse me, minus five. And then we have Denver minus seven as our parlay. That's like, that's uh, that's oh, almost like a college, uh, given 25 points, <laughs> it's almost like a college parlay. Yeah, I mean, we we don't usually go with parlays that are that high of points, but that, that's where we're confident at in some of these matchups this week. Uh, guys, it's going to wrap it up for the show. Hope you all enjoyed it. Chaz, what do you got coming up? Where can we follow you at? You know what? 
I, I'm um, just really thankful to the Quill family, both Dayquil and Nightquil, for helping me get through this. And uh, and I, you know, I, I said, you know, I didn't know if I was going to make it today, but I, I, there's only two weeks left. I, I, I missed three weeks, and you know, this this 30 minutes is probably one of the best 30 minutes of my week. So thank you too. Oh, well, thank you. We love having you on. We love that we've been able to continue uh, this relationship. As- well uh guys for all of your fantasy football purposes throughout christmas no we're not going to be back on sunday night for a recap episode since it's christmas eve but i will be available via social media at belly up mdff show on x mdff show everywhere else make sure you check us out in your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our youtube channel and jazz as you always like to say yeah always guys good luck this weekend